Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Networks. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello, everyone. This is the Life Coach Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio. My guest today is master photographer and Benjamin Moore senior color expert, Paul Mudamir. I'm your host, Jan Jaffe. Welcome to In-Depth. An early background in mechanical engineering veered into a career in rock music as a guitarist, songwriter, and recording engineer that led Paul Mudamir to relocate from London to New York City. Out of necessity, he developed a parallel career in the field of decorative painting and combined his scientific and artistic skills to design and install wall finishes for major New York architects and clientele. That led eventually to a career in color as Benjamin Moore's senior colorist in New York City, which he continues to pursue in tandem with photography. Paul has had several solo photography shows in New York City and New York State. He made a major sale of moth images to the Capital One Bank Permanent Collection and now has his own color chart with Benjamin Moore. I'm delighted to have Paul Mudamir as my guest on today's show. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. It's a real honor. Thank you. Oh, Thank you, Paul. It's an honor for me as well. The number here is 646 646- 7169397. We welcome your calls, questions, comments and contribution to the discussion. We love your participation. So, please do call us. The number again is 646-716-9397. So, Paul, you started out in England, was it Brighton? As the mechanical no, and Oh, Southampton, Southampton. excuse me, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) You started out as a mechanical engineer, found your way into music, and that was what eventually brought you from London to the United States um, and to New York. Are you still active in music? Um, Sort of privately, yes. Um, We have a cottage up in the country where I have have my gear set up um, with lots of looping pedals and... uh, and stuff, and I, I can make as much noise as I like. And mm-hmm. um, I am actually planning a little surprise uh, Prince tribute at a, at a party coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to try and try and reproduce Purple Rain all by myself, which is rather foolhardy. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't get out and play in public much anymore now. Oh, that's a shame because it, you, your music is wonderful, and I would suggest if anybody uh, has an opportunity to to listen to Paul's music to absolutely do so. And Paul, how would someone find your music? Actually, I did that under a pseudonym for, for no apparent reason, um, under the name of Paul Britton. And it's Britton spelled B-R-I-T-T-E-N, as in Benjamin Britton, um, which see. I'm sure <laughs> you know. Um, but... Um, it's 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 available on iTunes. It's also I discovered recently it's it's uh, 
it streams free on uh, YouTube as well now. So huh. no one needs to buy music anymore. <laughs> you can just go to YouTube <laughs> and get any, anything for free. Just put my name in and it will come up probably after a few other, a few dozen other Britons who are more important than me. Well, but, one um, of your very, very many talents indeed, um, because as as we go on, people will hear about all of your talent. But, yes, I definitely recommend listening to Paul's music. Um, so, Paul, well, that was a, I'm, I'm it was, Sorry, it was a labor of love, really, that that album. I mean, I just did it purely for myself. I made an album 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago now. It took, it took almost two years to make. Um, but I just did it for myself, and... Uh, I'm still kind of proud of it. You know? What's the name of it? It's called Life and Death Part One. <laughs> well, obviously, <laughs> yeah. I think there's going to have to be a part two, yes? And that's what they all say, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, tell me, how did you get involved in and learn about color? Oh, color, well, the I... As you just mentioned, I I started doing um, paint work basically to supplement my income as a as a musician and recording engineer, um, and that kind of snowballed into being a being a real painting contractor and doing big projects. Um, but it, but when you're a contractor, the last thing you want to do is get involved in choosing colors for people because. You don't want the blame, you know, when they don't like it. So I, I pretty much stayed away from recommending colors while I, while I was a contractor. But at the same time, I was learning a great deal without even really knowing it, because because only the only way to learn color is by doing it. And I I specialized in Venetian plaster, which is which is a very thick substance that you basically have to hand mix. So I was mixing my own colors routinely, and that taught me a lot about color. And then, then when when I was offered a job with Benjamin Moore at Janovic, um, uh, they they said, "Well, we're not sure what what we want you to do, <laughs> but we want to hire you." So, like after about three interviews, they said, "How about being a colorist?" So I said, oh, "Okay." So next week I was a colorist. That's kind of how it worked. Oh my goodness! And at the time, were there other colorists? So, uh, or was Janovic that something has, new? Yeah, Janovic has ten stores in New York City, um, and they had one colorist at that time. Um, so I spent a few months with her, and then she she moved on um, and uh, ran the Benjamin Moore Color Showroom. So I was left alone for quite a number of years. Mm-hmm. Now we have we have uh, four or five full and part time colorists. We're trying to get one in every store eventually. But you are the senior colorist, senior color I am. expert. Yeah, yeah. You are. Yes, I know you're. Yeah. You're a very self-effacing person. <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> the oldest, but the senior. Okay. <laughs> well, you're only 21, right? Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. Again. See, my I birthday's like that, yeah. next week. Don't remind me. My birthday's next week. Anyway. Oh, okay. Well, happy birthday in advance. Thank you. I will be. That means you're actually going to be 30, so we know. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. um, you, uh, I I know that, um, and I don't know if our listeners know that uh, Benjamin Moore came out with a color chart that was actually your color chart, and there are so many uh, colors. You know, in, in mm-hmm. how I mean, how many thousands of colors does Benjamin well, Moore um, offer? Benjamin Moore have 
approximately just just shy of 4,000 colors now. Um, oh, my goodness. So how did the opportunity to create a color chart for Benjamin Moore even come about? Well, it's really it's really exclusive to Janovic. Now, there is a slight distinction between Benjamin Moore and Janovic, which is a little complicated because until a year and a half ago, Benjamin Moore owned Janovic, so I was technically working for Benjamin Moore. But but ben, but now Janovic is independent of Benjamin Moore, even though we still sell exclusively Benjamin Moore paint. Um, but but once once we became detached from Benjamin Moore, I was actually uh, freer to to be more creative. I, I'd been creative all along, making my own color charts for my own purposes. Because the problem with having four thousand colors is no one can find anything. <laughs> you know, it's like a needle in a haystack. So I started mm. sorting out sorting out the the needles from the hay, if you like, you know, and um, um, and that kind of that kind of evolved into into my my own favorite collection, if you like, which I called Natural Selection, which is a play on evolution, um, basically because because mm. I consider these are colors that have they're survivors. These are colors that I've used over and over again and survived the test of time, which is kind of like evolution. So Natural Selection seemed like a a natural name for them, mm. and uh, now there's a there's a there's a there's a big chart in every every one of our stores, and some of them have a big banner in the windows too, of the colours, and it and it attracts a lot of people. And of course, your name is on that chart. Uh, of course. Of course, no. I mean, yeah. I I know I it. That's so, not yeah. that's not your your ego. You're, you're like <laughs> I, I will repeat. You're one of the most self-effacing people, but. <laughs> Um, the fact of the matter is, your name is on that chart, and um, uh, yes, I suppose it is. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. it is. I know it's painful for you to say that, but um, <laughs> so, so these are colors that you've used over and over again. And so I'm curious, how did you choose those colors? Um, well, there's a basic there's a basic theory that un- underlies my selection, and that is. Um, well, to explain it, I have to explain a little bit about color theory. There are there are really only three variables in color. You know, um, there's there's hue, whether it's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, etc. There's value that we we call value, which is the darkness or the lightness of the color. And then there's the third one that confuses everybody, which is saturation, which is how vivid the color is. Now, the vividness of the color is completely independent of the other two variables. Hmm. So the secret in in my in my rule book is is to limit the amount of color saturation in the color because when you look at a little tiny color chip, unless you're really experienced, you can't imagine how that's going to look when you expand it to a whole room because it amplifies. And everyone asked me if, if I had a dollar for every time someone had said, "Does the color come out lighter or darker on the wall?" I could have retired mm-hmm. a long time ago. But the mm-hmm. truth is, I can't answer that because every room is different. You know, it's sometimes right. it will look lighter, sometimes it will look darker. But the one thing that's, that's a, a constant is colors always come out more vivid when you amplify it into a whole room. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for that is the light bounces from one wall to another. So you imagine the light's bouncing off a colored wall, landing on the, on the wall next to it that's the same color. It doubles the intensity of the light coming back off of it. So... It, mm. So I've developed a trick where I fold I fold the card into a U shape and show it to people how it changes from being flat to being in a U and 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 it can be shocking. Some colors change radically, some some don't, and the ones that don't change are the more muted ones, and they're the ones that are safer 
and don't surprise you so much when you paint a whole room. And that also makes it much more livable. You can you can live with those colors for a long time because they're restful. They're, they're not competing for your attention, which a lot of people make that mistake with colors. They, they, they see a color that looks pretty on a little tiny chip, but they, they forget that it's going to be it's going to be glaring at you for years, you know. <laughs> so uh, that's basically what the, the color collection is based on: is a reduced level of of color saturation. And then I found that you know certain colors I was recommending were overwhelmingly popular and, and successful. People were going out of their way to come in and tell me how much they liked them. So I based I based this collection around those colors and then fleshed it out, you know, to give a, a range. Um, there's 196 colors on it altogether. So it's 14 mm-hmm. high and 14 wide. It's just just happens to be how many would fit on the board that I had. <laughs> that's, why, that's why there's uh. 196 colors. But if you compare that to a company like Farrow and Ball, which I shouldn't mention, of course, because I work for, mm-hmm. for uh, Benjamin Moore, but Farrow and Ball is popular, um, but largely for one reason, and that is they only have 132 colors. And mm. the, the reason that's that's popular is because it makes it easy. Anyone can go and pick a color when there's only 132 to choose from. When there's 4,000 to choose from, you need me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> hopefully, anyway. But that's true. That is so true. Um, I'm just curious, and I don't know if you can, um, if you can go here, at, and maybe it's just a selfish curiosity, but mm-hmm. I would imagine other listeners might have the same question. If you, um, when you say there are certain colors that people come back over and over again that they mm-hmm. love, what are some of those colors? Oh, that would be telling. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm a little I'm a little hesitant to do that because I every day I get people okay. coming in. Well, people okay. Come, people, well, yeah, I could do I could do it, but I I don't care. But people come in every day and say, saying, "Oh, everyone tells me this is a great color." You know, a, 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 there's no such thing as a great color because it totally depends a on where you're going to put it and b on on the person's taste. You know, so mm, it's, it's a very much a pers- it's a personal thing. Uh, because of the location, but also because of the person's taste, and unless unless yeah. you factor both of those things in, it's kind of meaningless to say this is a great color. As okay. one of my pet we'll, peeves, we'll really. That. We'll, we'll <laughs> skip that. We'll skip that. Did I get out of that one? <laughs> Beautiful, beautifully. Okay, so now I'm also curious. Um, do you have any interesting stories from your work as a color expert? Oh God, well, I can't tell you about all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because, I mean, anyone who's ever worked in retail, um, especially in Manhattan, will know what I'm talking about. But um, you get a very mixed, you get a mixed, mixed bag of people who come in. But, you know, when, when you're the one person that can answer the question, no matter what the question is, in, in the busiest store, we're the busiest paint store in Manhattan, um, I get a big range of, of questions. Um, let me think. One... <laughs> one I once had a guy who, who was very smart. I could tell he was very smart, and he, uh, but he didn't have the faintest idea about color. And I said, I said, what's the problem? You know, uh, he said, this is really hard. And I said, well, I said, well, come on, it's not brain surgery. And he gave me a funny look, and he said, do you know who I am? I said, no. Uh oh, I, I was in trouble. He, he was head of neurosurgery at Cornell Hospital. <laughs> so I just, Excellent. I just sort of accidentally insulted the head of neurosurgery. Um, 
but uh, that's the sort of thing that happens once once in a while. <laughs> I'll think oh, of another one later, goodness. probably. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, you can you can uh, when when one comes to you, you can share it with us. So um, well, now here's some of them the question I. Can't I... Share. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Now, I'm sure, um, well, before I go on, let me just uh, mm-hmm. say again to everybody, if you'd like to call in, the number here is 646-716-9397. Please don't be shy. We would love to hear your questions or comments. So now what I would think most everybody is interested in hearing is, how did you get started in photography? Huh. Well, that was... It was that was another happy accident, really. My whole career seems to have been a, a series of of um, happenstance, if you like. Um, I'd I'd always liked the photography. I'd always been interested in it, but to be honest, um, I could never I could never get into film photography. I know it sounds pathetic, but um, I I just don't have the kind of mind that can memorize all those settings and and just shoot blind and then wait two weeks to get the film back to see how bad it came out you know i just mm-hmm. i kind of lost interest very quickly but when digital cameras started coming out it, it got more interesting but i didn't re- i still hadn't really taken to it until um something happened um it's kind of an interesting story i guess uh, as i mentioned we have a we have a little cottage in the, up in the catskills and um we had what happened was that we had a plague of gypsy moth caterpillars. I mean, I don't know if you know what they are, but um, they're an, they're a non-indigenous species of, of of moth that was imported to Boston in the in the late uh, 19th century um, to, for silk production because because their uh, their caterpillars actually spin silk and they were gonna, they used them to make silk, but um, but of course they escaped. <laughs> they escaped from the factory, and, and being non-indigenous, they have no natural predators in in America, and so they and they they multiply exponentially because they um, each each caterpillar lays a thousand eggs, and they hatch wow. within a couple of weeks, and so they quickly expand so fast because there's no predators that they actually deforest whole areas, um, and this is what happened around our house a few years ago. And and you're thinking, what what's this got to do with photography? Well, <laughs> for a start, the, my wife was terrified. There were thousands of um, caterpillars dangling from from silk threads. You couldn't walk out the door without getting them in your hair. But the good news was, you know, once they hatched into into moths, there were clouds of moths flying around everywhere, and and we had lights on our deck in the in the back of the house, and at night. It was like this cloud of cloud of moths flying around and around endlessly, and I I started seeing this kind of flickering light, like a trail behind them, and I I was trying to figure out what it was. Being coming from an engineering background, I I, I assumed it was the um, the 60 cycles per second on, of the light. You know when you when you wave your hand in front of a TV screen, you see it kind of freezes. Mm-hmm. You ever done that, Jan? You don't do that, do you? Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought it was—I thought it was just the flickering of the of the AC 60 times a second. But but they were they were halogen lamps, so they don't do that. Um, halogen lamps don't. Wow. LEDs actually do that. They turn on and off 
60 times a second. Mm. It's so fast you can't see it. Um, but anyway, so what I decided to do was take, start taking some long exposure photographs of them and um, trying to figure it out. It was just a scientific experiment, really. But it was a complete revelation when I, when I, I started, because I was using a, a digital camera, and I immediately saw these amazing images of of a complete trail of, of moth wings in, in flight, and it was just it was just amazing. And um, that's kind of where I got started in photography, I, because I knew there was something something unique about these these images. And in fact, I about six months later, I had my first show in a little town called Rensselaerville in 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 New York State, and it set the house record for sales. Wow. They, they've never they've never sold so many. Um, images. So well, your moth kind of, photos are are yeah, amazing. Yeah. I mean, they are, and it's it you it's unless somebody sees them, they have no idea the brilliance of of what you're describing. Um, and again, uh, and just to make a little plug, they can see your work on um, paulmudamir.com. But anyway, yes, go go on. I just <laughs> I, I also I have a wanted, site on. There's another site called Lens Culture. Uh, which is a, a photography site, lens culture um, mm-hmm. com, which is a really good, really good site. In fact, they, out of the blue, they offered me a, a free lifetime portfolio on there. Um, wow! Just from seeing some of my work, so um, I'm just about to enter a contest on there too, just just to give them a plug. <laughs> it's a very good <laughs> site. There's some great great work on there, um, but. Uh, what we're we talking about? Oh, the, yeah, the moth. Well, we, how you got the moth photos and how you got started. But yeah. um, am I, I? I know you also early on you did work with um, these abstract light photos. Oh yeah, that was that was a, <laughs> another little accidental find. You know, I <laughs> I get bored easily, and and I'm I was I was at home and there were I I'd, I'd filled up my sink for some reason and. Um, and I noticed the reflection on the on the surface of the water from one of my lights. And when and when I when I waved my hand in the water, the, the light the light made an interesting pattern. And I thought, yeah, maybe I'll photograph that in the same technique as I photograph the moths. And uh, yeah, it, be, it 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 made some really interesting shapes and almost almost looked like uh, real images in some ways. One of them looks like. Um, a dancer, you know, in um, river dance, you know, that way they dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's one that called river dance, and there's one that looks like a, a guy on horseback, even though it's just random, right. random uh, uh, LED lights, you know, reflected in water, and it has kind of three-dimensional feel to it. So yeah, I did a series of those too. Where did you Where did you see those? I didn't know you knew about them. Oh, I've seen them. I I even have a copy of one of them. But the one you did a show. In Manhattan. Oh, that um, was yeah, that was the, yeah, that was the show uptown at Swifties, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Where yeah. you had mm-hmm. and that that one you just mentioned the um, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. I like to call it the cowboy. Um, yeah, <laughs> on I horseback. think I called it rodeo. I think that one was called. Oh, rodeo. rodeo. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. the, the, yeah. those were brilliant photos. Absolutely well, it's brilliant. Total, it's total luck, you know. I took I took hundreds to get those. You know, that's you got to have patience mm-hmm. for that. But it's kind of fun, you know. Yeah. So you had so many, you know, your work is really brilliant, I think, and and everybody else who's seen it feels the same way. And you've had you. so many different periods, 
You've had the the abstract lights that we've just talked about, the moss mm-hmm. series that you've talked mm-hmm. about, um, the ones I like to call the reflection photos. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you, 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 and the the, the landscapes, um, mm-hmm. those fabulous photos of the moon and you know and planes crossing the moon and, and things yeah, like I'm that. Yeah, I'm kind of obsessed and with then, that. Yeah. <laughs> right, and then the city. Uh, photos in in uh, just in the city here in New York City and mm-hmm. and people photos of people um, yeah. amazing photos of people so I'd love to know a little bit about the genesis of these stages. Um, yeah, now you've listed them. I didn't realize there were so many. <laughs> well, like I said, <laughs> I get bored quickly. There's probably some I've forgotten. There's probably some <laughs> no, I have no, forgotten no, no. as well. I, yeah, probably. But um, yeah, the reflections. Um, I, I remember the very first uh, reflection shot I took, um, which, which was a which was a small bird drinking out of a puddle. Um, but I, the camera acts, accidentally actually focused on the reflection in the in the puddle rather than the bird. And I was looking at it on my computer afterwards, and and I was trying to figure out what kind of bird it was. And um, I flipped the I flipped the image upside down, and uh, that was another revelation because when you do that, suddenly the reflection, which is upside down when you see it, becomes the right way up, and so mm-hmm. everything else that look that becomes the reality when you do that, and everything else becomes surreal. So and that that really interested me. I like stuff like that that kind of mm-hmm. blows your mind a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's what got me started on on these what I what I now call in, in vertigo. Which is you know invert, inverting um, reflection images the other way up, and it, and it creates a kind of surreal landscape. It's kind of fun, and that that's the series I'm just about to enter into into lens sculptures uh, photography competition. I see. Yeah, those are amazing. Those are um, it's it's very interesting hearing your process. Um, mm. So your show coming up is what what um, of those different stages what would you say you have most of the um, photos and or does it cover still a everything it's a bit vague it's a bit vague right now it's a group show actually it's only it's a four person show which is mm-hmm. kind of intimate it's a small gallery in Saugerties New York actually it's not in New York mm-hmm. in New York City but it's a beautiful gallery um run by this this brilliant uh, woman we know named named Jen Dragon and um it, it's it's just a kind of confluence of of people, there's there's four of us, there's myself and my wife Catherine, who's a painter, and there's another couple <clears throat> who are going who are going to be in it, who are both artists too, and that's it, just the four of us. So we're tr- we're working on some kind of a theme. I think it's going to be dark, a dark theme, <laughs> but that's mm. about what I know right now. But I am oh, okay. putting, I'm I, what I am putting in is is some of my <clears throat> my moth images, but not not the photographic prints. A few years ago. Um, I went to Colorado with my wife, actually, who who works with a master printer in uh, Steamboat Springs, and um, they they made uh, what's called solar plate etchings from from my from my moth photographs, uh, wow. which is a very cool process, um, and they they kind of look like old old um, photographic prints, but they're not. They're they're actually printed on a press, um, so they're they're really cool, and it's going to be. Uh, about four of those in the show, I think, which oh, are a limited, a limited edition. Um, okay, so you're still choosing. So if we yeah, we're still not sure what what else is going to go in, but uh, well, it's not. I've got, I've I've got, got, tell, 
I'm sorry? I've got a whole week yet to figure it out. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> I will tell our listening audience, anyone who's in the New York metropolitan area, it is not difficult to get to Saugerties. Um <laughs> I went up there, I don't know, a month and a half ago maybe. Um, there's a wonderful animal sanctuary up there. Oh, so, right. Uh-huh. Right, yeah, I went up there to go play with the baby goats. It was so much fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, wow. and look at the, yeah, it was just, it was delightful. But it's not difficult to get there at all from New York City. So Yeah, um, I can give you the the name of the gallery. It's called Cross Contemporary. Cross, Cross Contemporary. Cross Contemporary. And it's right on the main street, on, on um, Partition Street. Okay, great. So uh, maybe we'll uh, uh, after the show, I'll add it yeah. to the uh, show yeah. information page. And the, the so, opening is uh, August twenty seventh, by the way, which is oh wow, fantastic. Okay, so that's just in a couple of weeks. <laughs> plug, plug. Okay, that's my plug. <laughs> no, fantastic. So tell me, Paul, what is your process in getting to a good photo? How do you find and actually see the photo images? Before you actually choose to snap, and maybe snap is a, an old-fashioned term. Yeah, well, um, there's, a, <clears throat> there's a story I like to tell about this, uh, which which explains my process sort of indirectly. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, film, film cameras are, are very, very uh, rare these days. Um, mm-hmm. Kodachrome, Kodak made a film a, a color film called Kodachrome which was very famous and mm-hmm. there was this story of this is just a couple of years ago I've forgotten his name but this very famous photographer in New York had got hold of the very last role of Kodachrome and it and mm. it was going to be this big deal he was going to take it put it in his camera in one day he was going to go around New York and shoot the very last role of Kodachrome ever made and so it was going to mm-hmm. be a big deal so, so he puts it in his camera, and there's you know the crowd of people going around with him to document this. And every shot he sees, you know, it's not quite good enough. You know, so he goes and he moves somewhere else. Anyway, to cut a long story short, he went the whole day without taking a single shot <laughs> because nothing, because it was so important that each one mm-hmm. had had some gra- enough gravitas to justify that position. He didn't shoot anything. Now that that says it all to me about digital cameras, because there's absolutely no deterrent to push and pushing the button. So mm-hmm. you know the secret, my secret, if there is one, is just I just shoot an awful lot of pictures. You know. Uh huh. <laughs> and okay, I, the other thing I is, see. you have to always have your camera with you. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone mm-hmm. everyone mocks me as looking like a tourist <laughs> when I when I when <laughs> I go to work. But, you know, if I didn't have my camera, I wouldn't have got any of these shots, you know. <laughs> so just carry a camera and shoot everything, you know. That's No, that's great advice. Uh, it's very honest. Um, you know, I just, uh, I hate to do this, but I have mm-hmm. to I have to take a moment here to cut away from our conversation um, to get to our sponsor, wow. our wonderful sponsor. Here on the Life Coach Radio Networks, we're proud to have as our sponsor Audible.com. Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the Internet, offering customers a new way to enhance and enrich their lives every day. Audible is the preeminent provider of spoken word audio products, which include more than 100,000 audio programs from more than 1,800 
content providers. Receive a free audiobook with your 30-day trial when you sign up with Audible today at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. Now here are some Audible books related to today's topic on photography written by Susan Sontag. This is going to hurt music, photography, and life through the distorted lens of Nikki Six, written and narrated by Nikki Six. Photography for Beginners, your complete beginner's guide to mastering digital photography and taking the best photos, written by Brandon Ward. So don't forget to sign up for a one-month free trial to get your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. Audible.com, making listening a tool for life. And now back to our show. So um, along the same lines, Paul, that we were talking about before, I just want to um, question you a little further and and ask you, what is it that you see that catches your eye? Is there anything in particular? Um, hmm, that's a that's a good question, but it's hard to answer simply. I I think I'm just oh, I'm always looking for the unexpected or something unusual, something whether it's amusing or a strange coincidence or or just something that you don't see every day. Uh, mm-hmm. But what it does, it just makes you aware of your surroundings more. You're always I'm always looking when I when I'm moving around. Um, like mm-hmm. I take the train upstate. You know, every weekend in the summer, and that ride up the river is—I you know, never get any work done because I can't take my eyes away from the window because it's incredible, you know. And every second it's changing, you know. Um, so there's always there's always something of interest out there because it's an amazing world, you know. But um, it's uh, it's really just a matter of still taking a lot more shots than you really need to, you know, to get mm-hmm. to get a good one. The, the, my biggest fear is, is you know, seeing a potentially great scene or, or shot and not, not making the shot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. When in doubt, that's the beauty of digital. It costs nothing virtually to, to, to fire the shot and then delete it later, you know. So, um, but, but... Just having an eye. I know people say you have a great eye, but I don't know what that means. I mean, I'm just always looking looking for interesting things. Like I said, I get bored easily, so I'm looking for interest, you know. Um, uh, and then themes themes kind of discover themselves, it seems like, you know. I'm not sure what the next theme's going to be. Um, well, you know, I've talking seen... About, sorry, talking about I'm street sorry. photography. No, you um, uh, A big inspiration recently was, was a film that was made um, about this f- street photographer called Vivian Meyer. I'm not sure if you've have you heard of that, Jan. It's yes, called I have. Find, yeah, it's called Finding Vivian Meyer, and I've I've seen it twice. It's it's a totally inspiring movie about this this woman who worked all her life as a nanny, uh, mm-hmm. and she she had a Rolleiflex camera, which is a really really good camera. Um, and all she did was she took it with her everywhere, and she photographed everybody, and she got right in their face and. And the photographs are amazing, and no one knew about it, and until this guy just happened to find them at, a, at an auction. Um, right. And this young guy that, that that bought all these images and negatives turned himself into a into a filmmaker just just because he was so inspired by it 
that he had he felt he had to make this movie about it and it's a brilliant movie it's really it's really an inspiring story all around um and it gave me a, a whole new uh, sense of of being a street photographer which i don't really consider myself per se um because she was so she was so uninhibited and yet she was secretive at the same time no one really knew what she was doing but she got right into people's faces really up close which i'm still kind of reluctant to do <laughs> but but it made me a little a little more emboldened at least you know well you know i've seen you know so much of your work and um you often take what seems just ordinary and you see things in it like the lighting or just you catch people's expressions at you know at just the right moment and so you take what can seem ordinary and it becomes extraordinary in your photos so and well, i also you, do notice um it it you are very self-effacing but the fact of the matter is you do you know you will just and it sometimes it's just the, the lighting is so incredible and it just it's it's like a scene from a film is what it looks like and um you know you also i wonder sometimes how you get in there and get those shots without people being at all aware well uh yeah that's a good point um cuz Vivian Maya uh did it with a Rolleiflex because the way it worked with that camera it has a mirror and you look down you the thing the camera hangs around your waist and she, you look down into it so you're not holding it up in your face so it's not so obvious <clears throat> and what i do with my camera it has a hinging uh, screen on the back so i can do exactly the same thing i can hinge the screen and keep the camera on my waist and people don't even know i'm mm-hmm. shooting that's I that's how, that's the way the way i do it i see I see. Um, I, I am aware. I've seen her work, Vivian Myers. Uh, yeah. I didn't know there was a film, and I, you know, I read the story yeah. and I saw some yeah. of her work, and uh, just astounding, absolutely yeah, the astounding. Film is, the film is really great. It's really. really I'll have to uh, look for that. Just, um, just the whole story of the guy that made it too, and the, the fa- just found these in a in a in an auction, you know, and and turned it into a movie, and amazing. And, and, and has had shows all around the world with this work now. You know, it's a really amazing story. So, Paul, let me let me ask you how, about how many photos would you say you might discard before you find one that you deem worthy? Do you have any idea? No, I would say the average is about one in a hundred. Wow. Okay, so that gives a lot of us who you know knock yeah. ourselves over the head because we say, ah, oh, it's not a good photo. We take five, six, seven, ten, and yeah. uh, so one yeah. in a hundred. So that should give everybody out there some inspiration, <laughs> some motivation. So I'm curious, amongst photographers, who mm-hmm. do you, whom do you admire and why? That's interesting because I was just thinking a, a way to to work this into the conversation because I have one major influence. Um, I, I'm not really, I'm not really big on 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 art history or, or photography history even because I came I came to photography very late. Uh, and with digital, and everyone who talks about being a serious photographer has, has grown up with, with film cameras, you know, and I didn't. Um, but there's one photographer who's been a total inspiration for me, who who is, has become a Facebook friend, um, although mm. even though I've never met him, is Mike, Michael Williamson, who is uh, mm-hmm. a staff photographer for the Washington Post. Um, and he posts 
posts. He posts every day um, on Facebook, and we've had conversations, you know, in writing about photography. And this guy's got two Pulitzer prizes, you know. And here's me, little me, talking to a t- double double Pulitzer Prize winner, staff photographer for the Washington Post, about photography techniques, and it's very inspiring, you know. And the the mm-hmm. thing he taught me more than anything was the importance of light. I mean, he 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 calls himself the the hunter of the light. You know, the magic the magic moment when the light is is so good. You know, um, and the rest of the time it's just ordinary. You know, and it it's very inspiring to have a relationship like that, even though we'd never met. Well, something must have inspired him to to communicate with you, but I do see his influence on you uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to light. And again, I encourage our listeners to check out mm-hmm. Paul's work because it's just amazing how you're able to take an ordinary scene that you see, and it, there's something about the light that makes it absolutely extraordinary. Um, so um, yeah, it's all Michael. So pre- all to Michael's credit. <laughs> okay, well, he came in and shot those photos for you, I guess. So. <laughs> you know, um, something I just am curious about, Does uh, how much would you say that Photoshop enters into the work that you do? Uh, that's a good question. Um, in fact, I, I'm not sure if you saw my post yesterday, but I had a little rant about this. <laughs> the one no, I, I didn't see it. It, it, was, it was called uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. <laughs> and it was it was an image, you know, that's a Ray Bradbury book. Um but mm-hmm. uh it it was an image of of the uh, of the moon, a crescent moon in the sky above a road uh and and the, the all these streaks of light coming towards you, which um was actually a truck with, with orange lights on the roof and headlights. Because it was a three second exposure, so I was taking a picture of this moon and this truck drove right through it. Mm. And um and I ranted about <laughs> about people asking me sometimes if I tweak my colors, almost uh. a, almost accusationally, you know. Um, and I said, well, in this one, I I I I didn't tweak the colors. I tweaked the space-time continuum, you know, because <laughs> it was it, the, the, you don't see the truck. All you see is the, the streaks of the, the light, light. Mm. Uh, and the moon. The, the dark part of the moon is a glow, and and the, the crescent part is is blindingly bright with with flares coming out of it, you know, just because it's mm. a long exposure. But but that's exactly how the shot came out of the camera. So, you know, mm-hmm. this whole argument about post-production, to me, is irrelevant because you can do all that in the camera as well, you know. I um, see. I actually don't own Photoshop. I've, I've tried mm. to get the hang of it a few times and given up. But what I do use is 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 the sort of sister program called Lightroom. Uh, by Adobe, um, which mm-hmm. is fantastic for me. It's just right. It's simple. It, it does what I need to do. It doesn't do any. There's no layering or or cutting and pasting or anything. It's just a, adjusting, fine tuning um, colors and and sharpness and stuff like that, which is, I which I do routinely. Um, but you know, I I consider photography an art form, and it doesn't really matter whether you do that or not. You just you're just trying to get the best possible image. Hmm. Okay. So what the, yeah. Sorry. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. I was going to say, what inspires you? Whew, I don't know. <laughs> um, more than anything, is getting feedback from people like you. You know. Um, Aww. 
it's really i mean i i i my my wife will will cringe when I say this, but um I actually count the likes on my facebook page <laughs> every day. <laughs> I'll be sure not to forget to to like something when I'm scrolling through. It's, I mean, it's the only feedback you get, really, as a creative person, you know, because these days, you know, I'm not selling work every day, but I'm I'm putting it out there and getting feedback mm-hmm. from people. You know, it's that feedback that really drives you to do more of it, you know. Um, without without that feedback, you know, sometimes, you know, what what's happened a few times, I've changed my privacy settings just to send an image to one person and I've forgotten to change it back and then mm. I post a picture the next day and nobody likes it and I'm like I'm thunderstruck I'm like oh no what have I done it's horrible nobody must nobody likes that one it's because no one was receiving it <laughs> oh my so, goodness I'm a little pathetic oh that way but um yeah that's that's what that does motivate you though I mean that's you okay so what show? We already talked about the show coming up in um, mm-hmm. in Saugerties. Do you have anything else coming up that, at this point that you know of? Uh, no, I don't actually. Um, I may, but I'm sure you're going to be I, posting things on your website. I went when I get the stuff back from this show. I'm I'm thinking about asking my management if I could hang some stuff in in the in the store um, in the downstairs. Um, mm-hmm. Just just because I think they'll work there, but. Um, yeah, I need I need to try and get a show in New York somehow, somewhere. But oh yes, it, absolutely. It's not that easy. Somewhere soon. It's not easy. I know, I know. <laughs> hint, hint. But I, you have <laughs> hint hint to everybody who's listening. So Paul, <laughs> where do you see yourself in ten years? Oh God! Would you say what? What would you? <laughs> what would you thought. like to? What would you like to? <laughs> what would you like to be producing? I didn't want to scare you. Yeah. Well, I mean, the problem is, you know. Um, a lot of artistic, you know, creative people know what I'm saying here, but you know, you it doesn't matter how creative you are if you're not making a living at it, you know. And to be honest, you know, I'm I'm past retirement age, and I have no I have no prospects of retiring because I have I don't make enough money, you know. So <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing what I do, I guess, you know, until until I do, you know, until I drop dead. Oh, you don't want that to happen. But it seems like your work just keeps getting better and better. Um, so uh, well, thank you. I, I just... mean, I'm I'm kind of new to it. I'm still learning. You know, that's the thing. I, mm-hmm. It's like anything, you know. Um, and you, the better you get at something, the more you enjoy doing it. So the more you practice it, it's kind of self self fulfilling, you know. Um, is is there anything that you would love that you you maybe really admire? You know, some work that you admire that you would love to possibly see yourself doing? Um, in photography, you mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Not really. I mean, I don't know. It, the thing about photography is, uh, you don't know what you you know you don't know what you're doing it until you've done it. You know, until you mm-hmm. <laughs> until you get that shot. You know that that um, makes you famous, which never happens anymore because there's every everybody in the world with a with a cell phone is now a photographer. So you know, there's just the competition is astronomical. I I, I sometimes feel guilty about um, how easy photography is because my wife's a painter, as you know, and um, mm-hmm. sometimes it takes her a year to finish a painting. You know, and, and I just mm-hmm. go out there and push a button. You know, and it's done. <laughs> a few tweaks and it's done. And uh, but but now of course, with with the development of 
cell phone cameras, everybody in the world is a photographer, you know, and so there's a, there's a huge competition out there, and even these posters now that are going up, you know, giant posters shot on an iPhone. I, I actually posted a picture of one of those being installed last week. I'm not sure if you saw that, I, and I captioned yeah. captioned it, not shot on an iPhone, because it was shot from 300 feet away. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, of a giant, a giant hoist, guy on a hoist, you know, 10 stories up, hanging this banner saying shot on an iPhone. Well, I have never seen an iPhone photo that that compares in any way to your work. Well, so um, I I think I I don't think there's any kind of competition there. But <laughs> thank um, you. um, so any anything else that you would like to be doing that you haven't done yet? Well, yeah, I'd like to travel more. I think um, mm-hmm. I'd really like to go to Iceland. Uh, I've seen I've seen photographs from Iceland. It's just staggeringly beautiful. Um, a friend of mine, actually, my my co-producer on my album um, goes to Iceland a lot um, mm-hmm. with with his partner, who's a who's a singer, and um, they're inspired totally inspired by Iceland. I'd quite like to go there. Um, just because uh, I. Everything I shoot, I you know, is is basically the same, the same place every day because I you know I do most of my work on the way to work and back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> always, I'm, when I was it was funny last night looking through my shots to choose for this contest, I I had to leave a lot out because it was the same buildings in the background. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to give mm. it away that I don't go anywhere. You know, <laughs> but um, I, I yeah I do need to travel more. I think you know, but that's probably. Mm-hmm. Would be a good thing for me. And what about music? Do you would you like uh, to be doing more yeah. in At in the music? Point, if I had, yeah, if I had the time and, and no pressure of, of um, making a living, I would definitely do some more recording. I think it'd be very mm. different. I think, but um, I've no idea. I'd, every every day, every day, I feel like doing something different. Depends what I just heard on the radio or or somewhere you know you get inspired sometimes um well you but, have such uh, an artistic soul and way of looking at the world and way of responding to the world i am sure that there will be more coming from you uh, i think that we just right. you know we're, we're we have a lot in store for us as as fans of paul mudemir so i'm curious also what advice with the paul of today Give the Paul of about 1985 or thereabouts. Well, whoa. yeah. Well, 1987 was when I when I moved to America. I moved to New York. Okay. Um, well, I said thereabouts. So. <laughs> don't do it. No, I didn't mean that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I mean, don't do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was kidding. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, uh, I. Be more confident. I think you know. I I I always lack confidence. I was always shy at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, and oh, this is interesting. I mean, I posted a, a oh, I I found this old school photograph recently um, of me yes, when I, I was saw that. Like, well, I was fifteen, <laughs> and my wife said, mm-hmm. "You were so cute," <laughs> and I, I said. No, really? I never knew, and I never knew it. You know, she said, you're the cutest guy in the school. Well, she's a little biased, of course. She's a little biased. I I saw that um, photo. You absolutely were. 
but and you were totally recognizable too. But I was had no idea. I was so shy around girls, and I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was, um, yeah. So I guess the advice would be to be more arrogant in other way, <laughs> in some ways. No, not, just, not arrogant. No, but no I hate there's arrogance. a difference between confidence and arrogance. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's but a fine maybe line, it's, though, it's, you know. Well, it's a lesson even now. I'll be a little more self-promotional and a little less self-effacing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Maybe. Yeah, that's good. That's, cool. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Accepting know. who you are, accepting your talent. That might be a beginning. Oh no, I don't know about. It. I'm not sure. I'm not quite ready to go there yet. <laughs> Well, we'll leave it up to the audience. Please check out Paul Mudamir on both paulmudamir.com. It's mm-hmm. Paul, P-A-U-L, Mudamir, M-U-T-I-M-E-A-R.com. And you said also Lens Culture. Lens, lens Culture. Dot dot com, com, slash, slash Paul Mudamir. Yeah. Uh, slash Paul Mudamir. dot com slash Paul Mudamir. You yeah. can check out his work there. Mm-hmm. And you know, Paul, we are at about at the end of the show. I can't wow, believe really? it. it was really? So fast. Really? I, I, see, I, thought, I told you it wouldn't be too painful. <laughs> I thought we couldn't possibly talk for an hour, you know? Yes. Look what happened. Then look what well, happened. So, really, was, Paul, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. This was I, so I, much I, fun. Thank you so I'm much. So, Oh, thank you, really, the only, thank you. The only you. problem I'm going to have is getting my head through the door now on the way out of the office. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it, I doubt it. I'm Jan Jaffe, and it has been my privilege to have been your host today. I'd love to hear from you, and I'm offering our listeners a free 30-minute discovery and strategy session. So for more information, questions, or whatever, please feel free to email me, Jan Jaffe, at info at forwardtosuccess.com. I'd love to hear from you with any comments, questions, whatever. Um, You're invited to share any comments or feedback on our website, lifecoachradionetworks.com. In addition to my solo interview show, I also host Think Tank, a roundtable discussion, and I would be delighted if you would join us for the next episode of Think Tank on August 24th at 12 noon Eastern. Paul, would you care to share any closing thoughts, comments, advice, or contact information or anything about upcoming shows, what have you, (laughs) with our listening audience? Well, Not really. I mean, uh, we've talked about my upcoming show. Um, if anyone really wants color help um, for choosing paint colors, you can come to Janovic. Uh, I'm based at the 66 and Lexington store. Um, but uh, don't ask don't don't ask me to do it over the phone, okay? And don't bring in <laughs> pictures on your cell phone, okay? Because the colors are not accurate, okay? It's a waste of time. But um, uh, all I would say was um, just uh, try and be yourself and, and um, be creative when you can. Um, that's all. I, that's all I try and do is is try. I basically, I think, I think the secret really to being successful is to ask a lot of questions. I mean, I, my wife, I drive my wife crazy by asking too many questions. Um, but I, you know, I get asked a hundred questions a day at least, more like two hundred in my daily job. Um, but I ask just as many back um, because you don't learn anything without asking questions. And whether you're asking yourself questions or asking other people, just keep asking questions. Um, uh, and I think that's 
that's a very important aspect to to uh, modern life. Okay. Oh, I love that. Keep asking questions, and that's it. It speaks to so much about just awareness and understanding ourselves, understanding what's going on around us, and having having a whole new view or be, having our minds opened mm-hmm. up to what to the mm-hmm. possibilities. And that that also speaks to creativity. So thank you so much, Paul, really. And thank you thank for you. being on the show today. I've so thank enjoyed you. having you with it us. It was a blast. And, thank you, Jen. Uh, yes, it was. I had a lot of fun. And I want to remind our listeners that all of our contact and bio information is listed in today's show description. So I'm just going to take a moment to announce a few of our upcoming shows. On this, the Life Coach Radio Network, on August 12th at 3 p.m., we're all in this together. August 21st at 9 p.m., Mark My Words with Mark Shaw. August 22nd at 12 noon, Leap with Errol McClendon. August 24th at 12 noon, Think Tank, How to Train to Be Your Own Superhero. August 30th, 12 noon, Create a Life You'll Love. You Have the Passion, But Where's the Profit? And August 31st at 12 noon, In Depth with Jan Jaffe, Interview with Barry Davenport. So I again want to thank my wonderful, wonderful guest, Paul Mudamir, for joining me today and making this show a really special one. Thank you for listening.